Do you feel that having people on membership causes them to purchase more over time? I don't just feel it. I know it because we track it and we look at those numbers. When we first started memberships, that was when it like really became apparent to us right away. And we noticed that when somebody came in for their first appointment after being a member, and this is sort of just the general number because it varies from person to person, but we saw about a 30 to 40% increase on that appointment spend just as a member. How do we as medical professionals create the life of our dreams and still impact the lives of our patients? My name is Dr. Adam Sewell, and I'm here to show you how to break free of the traditional healthcare system that has you overworked and underpaid. If you're ready to join us, visit freedomthroughprosperity.com. But for now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Medical Entrepreneur Podcast. We have with us a very special guest who you might have seen before, Mr. Ben Chu from Alum Aesthetics. Ben, so glad to have you here. Hey, Adam. Stoked to be back. Uh, and one of the reasons why we have Ben is not only he is he an expert in actually building his practice, you know, his practice is the top 5% in the entire country in terms of volume that they do, but also he's just an excellent businessman. And today we're going to be talking about one of the most important parts of building your practice, which is memberships. Ben, do you want to take it away? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, memberships are starting to become more popular in, in the industry. More people are starting to look at uh, memberships and think, you know, should we have memberships in our practices? Like, is it a good thing? And like, what would be kind of the benefits or the downsides? Like a lot of people super curious about it. Um, and you'll notice, though, that a lot of the top med spas, the med spas that are super successful, almost invariably, like 90% of them have some kind of membership program. And there are a lot of really good reasons for that. Um, and we can kind of deep dive into sort of the different like categories of why it's good to have a, a membership. I mean, obviously, recurring revenue is a huge part of that stickiness. So retaining patients and keeping them coming back to your med spa rather than you know, floating around or kind of cheating on you with uh, other providers and uh, on sort of the back end too, um, in terms of like, so we're a big Allergan med spa, right? We primarily use their products, but if you are attaching um, particular services like say Botox to something like a membership program in your med spa, then you're also going to see that drive so much more volume that you're going to go up in tiers and actually make greater profitability and have greater margin on those particular products because the volume that you're moving is going to be so much bigger. And I mean, there are probably a whole ton of other benefits that we can dive into, but those are kind of like the big three right off the bat. Absolutely. And what would you say to someone who maybe doesn't have a membership yet and you know they're kind of nervous about how to even implement such a thing? For one, first, just like take a big, deep breath and then look around you at everything else in the economy and start looking for the memberships. And you'll start realizing very quickly that it's not just med spas. Everyone who is anyone is moving into a membership model. And, you know, we saw this um, kind of early, actually, in, in sort of the 
the membership market, as it were, with some like big box retailers and stuff like that. You started seeing, you know, Safeway, Albertsons, Kroger's rolling out their their membership cards and their membership programs to keep people coming back with points and benefits and things like that. And then um, a little bit later into the game, we started seeing things like, say, Amazon got into the membership game with Amazon Prime. And then there started to be things like Netflix coming out, getting into the membership game with, you know, entertainment. And now almost everywhere you look, any type of service or commodity has some type of membership attached to it in just about every sector. And it's what consumers are wanting and it's what is driving a lot of economic activity. So why wouldn't that, if it's true for every other industry, why wouldn't it also be true for our industry, right? So take a big breath, realize that it's that memberships and continuity is the way that the entire market is moving, not just our subset of the market, and then dive in, right? Because you can either move with the current or you can get left behind. And if you don't implement a, a membership program in your med spa, you're going to be leaving so much on the table and there is going to be a big chance that you're either going to miss out on getting customers or the customers that you already have are going to go somewhere else that is offering a membership because that's what they want. So take that big breath, realize it's the right way to go, and then we can start talking about like how you might actually implement it. Absolutely. I think that's a really great point. And then also, we know that businesses that have membership or monthly recurring revenue are actually of higher value uh, if you go to sell your business as well. Is that correct? That is 100% true. And, you know, you got to think about it from the perspective of a buyer, right? Like if I'm going to come in and let's say buy your buy your practice, right? And there's no no membership model. It's just people kind of come when they want to. And sure, maybe you have a list of people who have been patients in the past or are currently patients with you, but there is no guarantee in any way, shape, or form that if I buy your practice that those people are going to keep coming back, right? Now, that for me as a buyer is very scary because I could give you several, several million dollars for your practice and it could suddenly, you know, not exist anymore, basically, right after I hand over the check because uh, there's no um, essentially accounts receivable or future guaranteed income. That is a night and day difference from if there's a membership, because now you've got membership contracts or agreements signed by people that's basically them saying, hey, I'm going to continue doing business with you out till date. X, you know, whenever the contract expires or renews or whatever the case is. Now coming as a buyer, I can say, okay, well, I'm going to buy Adam's practice and yeah, I'm going to pay him a lot of money. But now I know that for at least, you know, X amount of time, there's more or less guaranteed that the revenue is still going to be coming in. And that dramatically changes the game in terms of comfortability for a buyer. And they can afford to pay a lot more because they're essentially buying a much safer or less risky opportunity. That makes a lot of sense. And then do you feel that having people on membership causes them to purchase more over time? I don't just feel it. I know it because we track it and we, and we, and we look at those numbers. I, uh, when we first started memberships, that was when it like really became apparent to us right away. And we noticed that when somebody came in for their first appointment after being a member, and this is sort of just the general number because it varies from person to person, but we saw about a 30 to 40% increase on that appointment spend just as 
a member versus what they would have spent previously when they weren't a member. And not only does it increase the amount that members or that member patients are paying at each appointment, but it also increases the frequency of how often they come in during the year. So not only are they buying more, but they're also buying more frequently, which makes each member's lifetime value as a customer to your business significantly higher than the value of a non-member customer in basically every sense. Wow. That's that's really significant. I think for a lot of people that don't have memberships, they're they're almost afraid to bring it up, or at least the few that I've talked to, we're kind of afraid that their customer may not buy membership, but that it would cause them to buy less things not because they have a membership discount or something like this but in fact just like you were able to uh, determine through uh you know measuring that actually having a membership increases the amount they spend and would you also say that the memberships um create more loyalty among the customers as well yes absolutely so you got to kind of think just like how we have to think about things, say, from the perspective of the buyer of a practice when we're thinking about um, maybe selling a practice. We also have to think about things from like the perspective of the patient. Right. So for one, I just kind of actually want to address before we dive into this, I want to address that concern that you listed that the patient might not buy the membership before we get to that they might not spend as much. Not every single patient will buy the membership, and that's okay, because most will, right? And in the game of business, it's a game of percentages and numbers, and we just want to try to create the most advantageous situation for our business and the most advantageous relationship for our patients. So, like, you shouldn't really have a fear that not everyone is going to buy the membership because not everyone is going to, and that's totally normal, but enough people will and the right people will, and those people will become the core of your practice and they will become your raving fans who absolutely love you and will refer their friends and their family members and they'll spend more with you. So like, don't ever let a fear stop you from implementing a much needed membership program into your practice. And that's what I would say to whoever told you that. As far as, um, you know, spending more and spending more frequently, like, how do I put this so like, and, and retention, that it comes into retention too, is like, if you had a membership somewhere, let's say Costco, right? A lot of people have Costco memberships and they go um, shop for things at Costco and you see like, hey, Costco has item X and store whatever also has item X, you're naturally going to be pulled towards just because of the psychology of the relationship of you have the membership at this place, you're already investing into this place with the membership. The chances that you're going to go somewhere else for the same thing are almost non-existent unless there's some like really big like unforeseen other circumstance that comes into it like that you just can't get to costco for some reason and you need product x well the same thing is true about your practice in terms of retention too if they're already invested into your practice with a membership and they already have the benefits of that membership why in the world would they ever go to a different practice unless there was some like big extenuating circumstance right that's really true and what I see for a lot of memberships is that they also have, you know, credits that accrue points. Uh, even some people bank their membership money, that kind of thing. 
So they make it almost like an incentive because they have something of value there they don't want to give up to. 100%. And that is, um, you know, that right there is the psychology of loss aversion, right? As humans, we never want to lose something that we've already accrued or that we've already gained. So, like, essentially having something built up at one place and then not using it in favor of buying the same thing somewhere else is essentially losing all of that thing that you've built up, even though you don't necessarily lose it. But the psychology is just about the same. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, if it's okay, I noticed there's a lot of different people talking about how their memberships in different ways. Is there anything that you could maybe tell somebody who's just first, you know, they're, they're like, hey, I understand, Ben, I want to build a membership. How do I go about doing that? Is there a certain strategy? Am, am, I, am I putting services in the membership or am I just letting, am I charging people and then putting that money into a quote bank that they can use for other, you know, uh, could you maybe talk about like how to structure the membership or what you seem to be the, the most efficient structure? So first off, there's not necessarily like there's any wrong way to build a membership. I want to make that very clear. It's more important that you have one than necessarily what's in it, because that can always be tweaked and changed later. So I, I implore you, if you're watching this, just get into the membership game. As far as what's in it, we've got several different concepts out there. All the way on one side, we have kind of like the beauty bank concept that you're referencing, which is essentially just putting dollars away into a practice that can then be used later for services, right? Not, not unlike a bank, hence the term beauty bank. Then some practices say, okay, well, your beauty bank dollars will be worth a little bit more than regular dollars because you're storing them in this beauty bank and that sort of brings in the element of like a discount right so like anything you buy with your beauty bank dollars maybe you get a 10 percent discount on or a 15 percent discount it doesn't really matter right that's just sort of the concept of bank plus discount another model is basically just buying a discount so not necessarily storing dollars or points or anything like that, but maybe paying, say, some small nominal fee, like $50 to $100 a month, and that just gets you a discount of, you know, 20% or 30% on everything you buy because you have that membership in force. I've seen that model run at different places. And then another model is offering services included in the membership plus a discount on additional services, right? So maybe you're paying 100 bucks a month and you get, you know, a facial included that in that every month, plus you get discounts on anything else you buy. Or maybe you get, you know, so many units of neurotoxin per month, plus a discount on um, other things you buy. And then um, there are also memberships that are not necessarily like discounts or points or banks or anything, but they're just straight services. Meaning like you pay this much every month and you get access to, you know, service X, Y, and Z every month or, or once a quarter or whatever it is, depending on what the services are. And you can kind of mix and match in all sorts of different ways. I mean, we've run a bunch of different memberships in our practice in the earlier days, trying to figure out what was going to be the sweet spot. And we've done memberships from $50 a month, ranging all the way to about two or $3,000 a month for like really high ticket clients that want, you know, you're kind of Kim Kardashian type avatar that wants like absolutely the highest end everything all the time. 
So we've experimented with most of them. And I mean, the fact of the matter is that they all work. And it kind of depends on what's going to be the sweet spot for your individual practice, depending on the services that you do offer in your practice and the type of practice that you're wanting to build. Yeah, absolutely. I know I've seen uh, memberships that are like kind of like you were describing initially, kind of like the bank thing. And a lot of people like those because, you know, for whatever reason, they feel like there might be judgment from their spouse or partner about them, you know, you know, spending, you know, so much money at a medical spa. But if they, you know, have like a little bit of, you know, every month they pay, you know, 197 or something, and then they're able to accrue all that money and then they basically go and, and basically use it for procedure. And, and no one's the wiser because, you know, it just looks like a, a small fee. But I have seen more and more memberships that are just almost to the point of, you know, I always like to get to an offer where it's just like a no brainer where, you know, you pay, you know, X number of dollars per month and you get, you know, six facials and, you know, 20 units of Botox and, you know, like kind of all combined together. Um, have you found much of a difference when you were testing those? I think the bigger difference more than anything is the the overall price point of the membership itself rather than necessarily what's in it. You kind of get to these different sort of psychological hurdles or barriers at different price points where you need to, um, and that's kind of like, you know, 50 to to $100 is kind of in one area. You start getting to like 300 to $500 is kind of like another sort of area. And then you start getting up to $1,000 and higher. And for each of those kind of financial subsets of membership, you need like different scripting, different choreography, and of course, more things to put in them, the more they cost. What we sort of found was the best sort of general population membership to have sort of the biggest crowd of members is right around that $100 sweet spot. We sort of do a combination of a beauty bank. Um, we do points rather than banked dollars that can be exchanged for different services neurotoxins, what have you, and then they get additional uh, discounts on other products and services that they buy, as well as, um, you know, little fluffy freebies, like free gifts and stuff every time they come into the practice as a member, um, VIP treatment at various live events and parties that we throw throughout the year, all of those kind of things. Oh, I love that too, the VIP thing. Um, I know it's extremely powerful. Yeah, that's actually a, an important thing that maybe I didn't mention is that you should treat your members manifestly different from how you treat your non-member patients. Not to say that you should treat your non-member patients badly, but I mean, you should serve them excellent, excellently, but then serve your member patients above and beyond excellence, you know, over deliver and make it obvious and visible. And that will drive membership adoption from the non-patients because they go, oh, I want the, the VIP treatment too, right? And then they upgrade and become a member. What do you think goes into the psychology behind those people who are buying memberships? You know, a number of different factors. Uh, when it comes to noticing the difference in treatment between them and members, if they're a non-member, um, we see the element of status come in, right? Because everybody whether you're super humble or not, loves status. It's why, you know, fancy clothes and cars and front row tickets, you know, even exist in the world. Humans are driven by status. So if you can, sh if you can demonstrate that they'll have a higher level of status by being a member, that will drive adoption. 
The other thing, too, is that, again, people have now become acculturated to being members of something, no matter what type of product or service that they're buying. And three is kind of the financial piece that you alluded to as well. If they're paying a little bit every month, and that means that when they do come in for services, it doesn't necessarily have to be as big of a like one-time lump sum. That's super attractive to people because, A, you don't necessarily have to, you know, talk to a spouse about why there's this super, or, you know, or boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, about why there's this super big expense suddenly on, on the credit card or on the bank statement. And two, even if, you know, you don't have to explain anything to anybody, it's nice to have, you know, better liquidity and better cash flow in your general life just as a person. So being able to kind of pay a little bit here and there as you go and then not have it be one big painful lump sum when it's treatment time is great for a number of different reasons. And then one of the questions I wanted to ask you is for a lot of people, and I think you know your model is, is a little bit, it's very special, but for a lot of people, they, they get the customer first coming in for maybe you know Botox or neuromodulator treatment, and then they try to uh, they tell them later about the membership, you know, when they're, maybe when they're there. My understanding is that you kind of flip that and basically get people to go basically right into the membership initially, uh, some of them even before they come to your office. Is that fair to say? Yeah. So we actually lead with the um, membership when we're doing marketing campaigns generally, though we do some other marketing campaigns as well if we're trying to push you know, a particular service or maybe fill up a new esthetician schedule really fast. But when we are doing general marketing, we tend to like to lead with our membership. And the way that looks is, you know, your general sort of direct response advertising, right? Putting out a, a front end offer, getting them to opt into a funnel saying that they want it. Then they get on the phone with our front office staff and they explain the benefits and the perks of the membership to them, how it all works. And then they sell them the membership prior to them coming in for that initial consultation with our provider. And then would you say, you know, some, most people that I see, they usually have two to three levels of membership. Is there uh, things that you've learned in your journey where you kind of tell, say like, hey, look, you shouldn't have more than three levels or, you know, some people have five or six levels. Is there anything that you, you could, uh, based on your experience, like, is there any, any maybe, you know, starting point or, you know, say, hey, you should definitely have at least a minimum of three tiers or, you know, don't want to go above five or what would you recommend? An adage, I can't remember who said it, maybe it was Dan Kennedy or one of his mentors, but the confused mind never buys. So you need to make sure that your system is not so complicated that people get confused when you try to explain it to them. A good litmus test for that is do you or your staff get confused when you're trying to explain it to a, a prospective member or patient? If that is true, then uh, you probably need to simplify it a little bit. But, um, you know, two to three, two even to five levels of membership is, is probably fine. We've got about five or so memberships in our business. But the one we generally tend to lead with, which is our Botox Club, only has two levels to it. Uh, the other memberships are things like our Facial Club or Diamond Glow Club memberships that are separate memberships for different subsets of services. But when you're running a, a campaign where you're actually like getting a lead and someone's coming in and, you know, they're coming in on that offer, you know, two to three options is probably the max amount of options that you want to present to them in that first uh, first contact. So, uh, for example, if someone were to join like your Botox club, 
they would have that membership, but then they could also buy additional memberships from you as well for other services. That's true. Yeah. Um, so if they wanted, say, to straight up bank other services rather than just get discounts on them, or if they wanted to bank other services but have an even greater discount by stacking multiple memberships on top of each other, those are options at, at our med spa. Um, and then we also do have a, um, a $7,000 a year annual elite level member as well for people that want to include like laser and filler and stuff like that in their uh, membership and have those things just paid for outright. So like I said, you know, we've experimented with memberships anywhere from, you know, $50 to several thousand dollars. And uh, there are places for them, you know, in, in probably all med spas. It's just about how you structure it, how you implement it, and, you know, how you train the team to roll it out. And now, is there any advice you'd have with regards to what services your memberships should have? So, like, for example, you have multiple memberships based on the various services. Would you would you recommend kind of having multiple memberships based on the service, or would you recommend having maybe one membership that would have those multiple services? How did you find the best way to structure that? Yeah, I think you know for us it was about um, kind of logistical ease, so like services and combinations that are easy for us to fulfill and easy to get patients you know scheduled for and in are the ones that we selected to do in our med spa. In other spas, it's definitely going to be about like, you know, what is your team trained in? What specific devices do you have? You know, manufacturers do you like to work with? And then, you know, decide what's going to be easier for you to fulfill on your side and to provide an excellent experience with, and then start packaging those into memberships. And, you know, I, I definitely am a, you know, again, we're a huge Allergan spa, so I'm a huge fan of having Botox in our memberships, but, you know, maybe you're a Dysport spa or a Galderma spa, rather, you know, and, and it's going to be Dysport, and maybe you're going to throw in, you know, an annual free uh, hydrofacial, you know, or something like that, or, you know, twice a year hydrofacial, or really however you want to divvy it up is fine. Again, there's no wrong way to do it. You need to craft it in such a way as that um, it's, gonna, again, going to be easy for you to fulfill and attractive to the avatar of your prospective wow. patient. That's that's pretty, that's really a good point. And I think that um, for most people that are thinking about memberships, it's kind of, you know, until you mentioned that you had multiple levels of membership, I could completely see how, you know, someone might, for example, when they don't know you very well, be okay with trying like a $50 membership or a $100 membership. But then as they get to know you, even adding on other memberships on top of that for the other services, would you say it's like, is it very common for someone to have multiple memberships with you? Um, or is it more, most people have like just one membership? I would say it's not uncommon for people to have multiple memberships with us. Generally, the biggest percentage is going to be one membership. And usually it's going to look like rather than um, for us, at least, it's going to look like an upgrade to a higher level single membership rather than okay. um, having a, a handful of different lower level memberships together. Though there are certainly people that are maybe, you know, not ready to do a $7,000 a year annual membership and they just want to do, you know, the $100 Botox club and a, you know, $200 Diamond Glow club, and they're just in at $300 a month, you know, rather than making the one big purchase. And then um, maybe you could talk about the usage of converting dollars to points, because I noticed that 
anytime you ever go to a fair or any kind of like uh, public gathering, you know, like even here in Texas, right now it's time for Texas State Fair. And uh, they've been doing the same thing for, you know, whatever, 50 plus years. And, you know, when you first go to any kind of fair, you, you pay some kind of money to get, you take your dollars and transfer it into these tickets. And the tickets are a different denomination and a different number. Is there any like things that you do with that? And, and if so, uh, is there any reason why? Yeah, great question. Um, I am definitely a big fan of converting things into points or tickets. Um, for me, I think that uh, that first love probably came in the arcade world as a kid rather than um, in the county fair world. But I'm not from Texas, so not a lot of as many county fairs out here. There's a number of good reasons, right? So one is... Um, a lot of the laws, and this may be different from state to state, I'm sure it is, but um, around gift cards and dollar denomination things is that, you know, a dollar is a dollar, which is legal tender. It can, and as long as it stays as a dollar, um, technically, it can't really be anything else. And you have to, like, refund it or reimburse it in kind. And they can't expire. Right. Because a dollar never does expire. It stays legal tender forever. If you um, trade those dollars to purchase points, though, well, a point is something totally different. A point is not a uh, legal you know, fiat piece of currency. It's not legal tender. None of the laws around legal tender or legal tender equivalents like gift cards apply to points in um, such a same fashion. So points operate under an entirely different, um, you know, set of rules, if you will, that are much more advantageous to the business than a dollar equivalency. Meaning, you know, our points never actually do expire, but if you wanted to, the unused points could expire um, after whatever, you know, arbitrary time that you determine in your membership agreement. In our membership agreement, points are non-transferable, whereas a gift card could really be, you know, or a dollar equivalent could really be given to anybody, just like you can give a dollar to anybody, right? And there are other reasons as well, but the, the long and short of it is, is that it allows you to play by a different set of rules that are more advantageous to your business than playing by the rules that are the rules around dollars. I think this really wise, and I feel like also it gives you a little more control over even your expenses. Because I noticed that um, if you look at the airlines, when they do the the airline miles, you know, uh, you know, many, many credit cards are those things that accumulate miles. And then it's once you get into the miles, well, the economy for the miles could even change. You know, how much each what mile is worth, or you know, is that trip worth you know ten thousand miles versus a hundred thousand miles? And it, the, the company can adjust that as they need fit, as they need to be. So in some ways, you can you have almost more control by having to go from dollars into a point system or into some you know credit system uh, that that you directly control. And then, like you said, there's no way for them to like sell their gift card to someone else or you know anything like that. They have to use it themselves. Yeah, you basically become the uh, the central bank of your med spa. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> the Fed of your med spa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is a great yeah, place to yeah. be. You know, <laughs> you, can, you can make as uh, your points as or unviable as you need to. Yeah. Another thing, too, that I guess I should mention about points is that um, 
like a lot of things, right? Um, so much of it comes back to psychology, and it changes the psychology around how the patient views what they have banked with you. So, like, a patient that knows that they have points with you and that points are non-redeemable for dollars, non-refundable, non-transferable, can only be exchanged for services, well, they're much more likely to, you know, even if they want a refund for whatever reason, they're much more likely to just come in and just go ahead and spend those points with you and use them up. Whereas somebody, let's say maybe something comes up and the patient like wants their money back because they need money for something and they have a bunch of dollars on bank with you and they're just going to be like, well, give me my $200 back because a dollar is a dollar or whatever. Whereas if it's points, most of the time they're never even going to be thinking that way and they're never going to ask. Wow, that's a, that's a huge advantage as well. Yeah, you know, not that you'd want to like, you know, fight somebody over 200 bucks or whatever, but, you know, as, as a business owner, it's a hassle to deal with those requests and it's nice when they don't come. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Especially because, you know, you have a transaction fee every time you process a credit card, you know, so. Yeah. Like, you know, those, you know, you're going to eat that cost one way or the other. So I like that. And then what would you um, say to like anyone who's maybe they want to start a membership, but they're kind of confused, like how they might actually track all these points and, and keep keep up to date with all these things. Are there any tools or tricks that you have for that? Yeah, I'd say my biggest tip is that you probably need to join the aesthetic inner circle with Adam. <laughs> now, um, really, though, uh, most med spa specific or even like salon kind of day spa specific softwares now have membership modules of, of some kind attached to them. We use Figaro, for example, which is a, has a very flexible membership model that we like because it allows us to kind of do the combination of um, points and discounts very easily at, you know, point of sale checkout. But gosh, I mean, I know MindBody's got membership modules, Jane, um, Aesthetica that uh, I know you own and are working on has membership modules coming into it. You know, most practice management and point of sale software for our industry now has some kind of membership feature, though not everybody is using them. So I would encourage you to, uh, you know, start your membership, use the features that may be at hand. And if you're on some sort of an EMR or schedule managing system that doesn't have a membership module, you just need to make the change because the software modules are so much easier to use than trying to you know, track it on a spreadsheet in your office or something like that. That's just going to be a nightmare. It's been automated again in most softwares. So, well, that's perfect. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> uh, and then, um, with regards to to the membership sales and and maybe approaching people about a membership, any advice you have for for new patients and also existing patients, like how a provider might approach a new patient about a membership versus how a provider might pro pro approach like an existing patient. If it's an existing patient and they don't have a membership yet, chances are that's because you're just launching your membership. So if you don't have a membership and you're wanting to roll it out to all of your existing patients, I would do a sort of a um, grand opening style type launch with it. Um, we've launched memberships with physical events so where we hold a big party and you know bring all the members and treat them really well to great food and drink and entertainment and then um you know get up on a little stage or on the side of the room or whatever and kind of launch the membership with a little presentation 
And of course, you're going to also want to do like your general like email, text notification, have assets up in the spa itself, flyers, posters, um, reels if you have screens in the spas that uh, the patients can see, whether those are at checkout or uh, like flat screens on the wall. But sort of a, a big boisterous grand opening type vibe for launching to existing members. For non-members or leads that are just coming in, it's actually a lot easier, a lot less effort, because you're basically just doing your normal kind of intake consult or sales call, and you're finding out, you know, hey, here's all of the uh, issues that they're presenting with that they would like fixed regarding, you know, their aesthetic appearance, and then you just dovetail them with the membership, right? You're like, oh, yeah, you know, we can definitely address this rosacea concern that you have, you know, or whatever. We think you'd actually be a really great candidate for this membership program that addresses all of those exact things that you just told me about. And not only does it solve your problem, but it solves your problem at a discount from what it would be if we were just going to sell you all of the things a la carte. Absolutely. And we do know that based on the data that the people with membership actually buy more non-membership things as well. Is there something that you do, like once someone becomes a member, to encourage them to to buy more non-membership things? They get like a reward of points. They, is there anything you do like that? Not necessarily a reward per se, because they're already getting a pretty hefty amount of rewards just from being a member in terms of VIP treatment and discounts and whatnot. Again, because they are a member, they are getting a discount on those other non-member things that they're buying. But no, not necessarily a reward per se. Generally, the the mechanics that we see that increased spend and more frequent spend kind of comes from the greater level of closeness and proximity to being a member and the greater amount of times that they come in during the the year. Because again, it's not like a big lump sum every time. So it's less painful for them to come in. They come in more frequently. And because of the greater degree of exposure, we have more conversations with them, right? We're able to pitch them on more things. We're able to talk to them more. And it basically just deepens the relationship to such a greater extent that it makes it a super easy segue into other non-member services. Does that kind of make sense? It does, yeah. And uh, do you feel like the membership in some way is protective of your customers to, to stop them from going to other uh, medical spas or the people that treat them? Yeah, yeah, I, I know it is. Um, I mean, a lot of our members say they wouldn't even ever think about going anywhere else. And again, that kind of comes back to, um, you know, what we talked about earlier when I used like Costco as an example. You know, if you know that you have a membership somewhere and you already have some kind of benefit banked up or you know that you're going to get a discount there, like it logically doesn't make sense to go anywhere else. The only time we've, you know, ever seen somebody who is a member go somewhere else is maybe where there was like an aesthetic emergency and so much as like our providers are so far booked out and they waited too long to book and they've got a wedding they got to be at or something. So they just have to go somewhere else for Botox, you know, but those are very rare. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's awesome. One of the questions I was going to ask you is, um, you know, because you have such a variety of memberships. Is there anything that you see that kind of is different between those memberships that are kind of lower end and the people that, that select those versus like the higher end memberships where people are paying, you know, $7,000 a year to be a member? 
for your viewers who are maybe not necessarily familiar with the concept of the value ladder, you kind of think of it as sort of a um, sort of like a stepwise kind of diagram where on the sort of bottom of this side, you have, say, like the lowest amount of money going in. And on this side, you have like value being provided, right? So generally speaking, when somebody comes in, the greatest percentage of people are going to be dipping their toe in with, um, you know, the least amount of commitment or the lowest amount of money, right? And they're buying not necessarily your highest level services for that, right? So they're getting good value from you, but not the maximum amount of value that you could provide if money was no object, right? And just because of the nature of commitment, that's where most people are going to start. Now, is there going to be a very small percentage of people that just jump right in and like buy your super high ticket membership like right out of the gate? Sure, those people do exist, but you're not going to be able to build a practice quickly out of thousands of those people because the amount of people that you have to go through to find one of those people that's going to start out with high ticket is massive. Right. So generally speaking, you can get much larger numbers into those $50, $100, maybe even $200 a month level memberships. And then the strategy would be to work them up that sort of stepladder into higher levels of financial commitment from them in exchange for higher levels of results commitment from you and your spa. So sort of the real strategy should be to bring in the big numbers at the lower levels and work them up to the higher levels rather than trying to bring in huge numbers of people up at the higher levels because the resistance and the math just isn't as favorable. And for uh, anyone who maybe wants to start a membership, what would be in, you know, uh, kind of the best way to market a membership that you've seen? So generally speaking, you want to throw out some kind of a hook and you're not necessarily like even referencing the membership per se in that front end ad, right? So you might say, I don't know, free sunscreen with, you know, new patient consult or, you know, special on Botox for, you know, this month, whatever, right? And then they come in through that front end offer, they get into the sales conversation with you. And that's when you pitch them on the membership. You say, okay, you know, yeah, you opted in for this offer. You told me all of these things about that you're unhappy with, you know, your appearance. And I, I've got this membership solution that I think would actually be, you know, probably the best route for you, right? So, it's it's more about broaching the membership in that first sales conversation to really lead into it, if that makes sense. Now, we have also done ads where we straight up do the ad as the membership, and that has also worked as well, but it's not like the only, it's far from the only way to do it, right? That makes sense. And then would you say that for most people that um, become members, um, you... I imagine they'd probably stay members for a certain period of time. Uh, have you seen any kind of consistent numbers throughout the industry regarding, you know, what what is the kind of stick rate for somebody who has been? Generally speaking, after talking to a lot of med spas, what we're kind of seeing is a churn rate anywhere between seven to ten percent, generally speaking. 
you know, and we've definitely experienced those rates ourselves, closer to the 7%. But what I can say is that we're also able to reduce that number by focusing on it. So there are all sorts of strategies that you can implement to reduce your churn rate. And a lot of that has more to do with um, the frequency of communication and the frequency of um, basically just treating those members really well, right? So making sure that you're acknowledging those birthdays, making sure you're acknowledging different important, you know, seasonal times of the year, making sure that you're staying on top of getting them in for all of their treatments and just really having kind of like a, uh, a concierge level type service with your members actually goes a long way towards reducing the churn rate. Um, and then we also actually give out uh, several gifts to members throughout the year as well, which also helps reduce uh, the churn rate. And these aren't necessarily things that, you know, cost us a huge amount per member, but they do offer a huge amount of extra value and uh, keep us more sticky and top of mind. Yeah, that is awesome. And then uh, with regards to the memberships, um, say, for example, someone you know, has membership and they come to you, they're, they're doing great. They come to you and they white cancel. Are there any processes you put in place to kind of like save that sale or, or basically convince them not to cancel? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a member has to, at least in, according to our agreement, a member has to give us at least 30 days written notice. And they also have to call us and talk to us. So during that contact, when somebody like raises their hand and says either, you know, verbally or in writing, I would like to cancel my membership, please. We reach out to them and we start talking to them. We got to find out like, what's the real reason you want to cancel, right? Because like, sure, maybe what they said right off the bat, it may just be what it is on its face. Maybe they're moving, right? Like very little you can do about that. But if it's something where like, you know, maybe things are just like, tight for a month or two and um, they want to cancel because they don't know that there are other options or something like that, then we say, you know, something along those lines, like, hey, like we could totally like freeze or pause your membership and have it restart in two months when you're through whatever, you know, you're going through. Or, you know, we talk to them and maybe we find out like, hey, like maybe they just, uh, they need, they didn't necessarily maybe have the best day or something when they were coming in for their last appointment. So something rubbed them wrong and maybe they're a little butthurt about something that otherwise they wouldn't be. So that gives us an opportunity to kind of like massage the situation and make it up to them and be like, Oh no, you know, uh, you know, you were just having a bad day. Maybe the provider was a little brisk that day or whatever, like come on in and let's like talk it out or let's hook you up with a complimentary sunscreen or, you know, whatever it is. And then suddenly they're not mad anymore and they're not canceling. Or maybe they just, after they get a chance to talk it out, they go like, oh yeah, you know, this membership has so much value. I didn't like really want to cancel anyway. Like I just wanted to be heard. Absolutely. I think that that's a really great point is that they, you know, many times people feel like they don't, you know, especially memberships or ongoing, you know, subscriptions, they don't, they they do not they may not be using them themselves and then when they see this like oh well I'm getting billed every month you know they feel like there's like some kind of disconnect how might you handle someone who calls up says you know hey I want to cancel my membership I haven't really been using it do you try to to, to talk to them about you know down the reason why and say hey we can pause it or you know thank you for do you have a, a clause where it's like hey once you're a member and you leave you can't be a member again is there anything you do to kind of maintain that. Yeah so I mean again we we totally do offer the ability to pause for up to ninety days. Past that doesn't really make sense. Um, we start 
regardless of like whatever the the front facing reason for why they cancel is, we try to do a little bit of digging deeper to find out the why behind the why. And, um, you know, because generally speaking, like if somebody becomes a Botox user, they're a Botox user for life. Um, or until they decide they're ready to start looking old, <laughs> whenever that might be. And um, if they're not using it, it's not that like suddenly they're not interested in Botox anymore and they suddenly are fine, you know, okay looking old. It means that's just something that they're throwing up in front so they don't have to talk about whatever the real thing is that might be a little bit more uncomfortable to talk about. So you kind of have to get past that and be like, well, like, what's your real why? Like, is it financial? Is it is it a time commitment thing? Is it something else? Because we know it's not that you don't want your Botox anymore. So, like, what's up? <laughs> that's that's a great point. I was just thinking, um, with regards to to your membership, for example, um, I know a lot of people, um, when they come to find out about your med spa. That basically, then they approach you, and then do you essentially offer the membership on their first approach, or do you wait till you know maybe they've, they've come in and then offer membership? Then is there anything to do with timing and membership? No, the only thing I'll say is that um, the faster you get them into a membership, the better for you and the better for them. So. When we're running campaigns with membership as the forward-facing front front offer, that's what we sell them directly over the phone is right into the membership before uh, they ever even step foot into the med spa. Now, our biggest problem as a business tends to be throughput capacity, meaning that like our providers are just so booked out that there's nowhere to put new patients. And the, when that is happening, which is most of the time, we don't actually run ads, which means that we're not doing sales calls per se. And we do get some amounts of people that are just calling walk-in people and they just pay for an initial consult and come in. And at that consult, we educate them on and sell them into the membership. And that's about the only time when we're not actively selling the membership at the, as a point of entry over the phone. And then once somebody comes in on a membership, um, what programs do you have in place to kind of help convince them to, to maybe upgrade? Or is it like, hey, uh, I know you're, you have the Botox membership, but now you want to do you know, PDO threads. Have you considered the thread membership or upgrading your membership from you know, silver to platinum or something like this? You know? That's usually going to happen either at that first consult because in the case that like they bought a membership before coming in, then they come in, we find, you know, in that consult, we do the Vizia scan and we do an aesthetic interest questionnaire and we find like, you know, the the true extent of what they want to achieve with anti-aging. And it's probably not going to be fixed with just a little bit of Botox. I'll tell you that. So then that brings up the conversation of, okay, well, this is what you want to achieve. This is what it's going to take to actually achieve it. So here are your options, right? We can go a la carte, which is going to be super high ticket, or we can add in some of these other membership options where we're going to basically agree to charge you less for extended loyalty, right? And sometimes, you know, if you're the provider, if you're the one doing the consults, those of you watching this program right now, you may not close them at that first consult on the higher ticket membership after they've already signed up for a membership. But you know what? 
They're a member. You're going to see them four to six times this year. And every single time they come in for one of those next treatments on the treatment plan is another opportunity for you to re-enter rate and bring up all of the extra value you can be providing them if they become a member. So it behooves you to be constantly selling at every single appointment. And you got to remember that sales is service. So it doesn't need to be this like slimy, high pressure thing, trying to pressure them into a bigger membership every time they come in. It's just, it can be as casual as like, you know, look, homie, you'd be saving a lot more money if you were a member right now. But, you know, I'll go ahead and do this to you for a higher price if you don't want to be a member, like, you know, and anywhere in between. And then just with regards to people that are actually maybe interested in the membership, is there, you mentioned before, like a sales choreography, is there, you know, how, how might someone structure a way that they could even themselves have like consistency in what they say about the, the membership or, you know, have train your employees or your staff to, to talk about it in a, in a certain way? Yeah. So you got to write a script. You know, there's there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You need to have a script for you, the provider in the room, whoever is doing that, you know, good faith exam and coming up with the treatment plan. And then you need to have a different script that is the script for the people in the front of the office that are on the phones. And if you're a small operation and you are both the provider in the room and the front office people on the phones all in one person, then you you got to have two separate scripts for you as one person. And then once you have those scripts, which I think, you know, this podcast, it's probably beyond the the scope of this particular episode to go into, like, what actually comprises a script for for high ticket and for selling uh, memberships and long term commitments. But um, closing concepts and all the things that those entail, and then it needs to be drilled and practiced to the point to where you can do it either almost word for word or word for word without looking at the script or to where you can at least just do it with just the script sitting in front of you where you can just kind of glance at it like you're using, you know, five by three note cards and just kind of using it to cue yourself along the script, which if you've never, you know, done stuff off of a script before is going to feel super awkward and super inauthentic. And the um, the sales training team or the sales training that I use for my team and myself to kind of overcome that is that we practice the script with it in front of us, actually reading through it as repetition until a team member can get through it three times at a quick rate of speed without tripping over their own tongue. Once they're able to do that, then we actually put it down and work on getting through it, just using it, like glancing down at it as cues. And once they can basically do it just from kind of cue cards is when they're ready to actually do it with live people. And that is, you know, practicing every single day for like 10, 15 minutes a day or more until it's actually you know, burned into your team's mind and your mind that you can do it at that level of proficiency. And it's, you know, it's not a sexy answer because it means you have to work at it, but it is the only answer that makes it work. That, that makes sense. You know, you got to practice for sure. So, well, Ben, this has been so useful. Um, it really helps to understand, you know, the different types of memberships out there, kind of, you know, how to get people into it and why it's so important for your business or practice, I guess, for, for these memberships. Besides just offering memberships for aesthetic services, 
Um, in the in the world of memberships, have you seen anything else that you think people should either you know maybe not do when they offer memberships, or you know anything that maybe the industry is doing wrong with memberships? That's an interesting question. You know, I don't. I don't think that there's anything that I have seen that the industry is necessarily doing wrong with memberships other than not having them. You know, that that is actually the biggest problem is that people don't just dive in and start doing it. I'm sure it is probably possible to have a uh, a wrong membership or to be doing something wrong there. I just haven't seen it happen yet. I was just curious if if you say had, you know, MedSpa A has a membership where it's uh you know say $149 a month and you get $149 in your bank account that you can use later versus you know MedSpa B um has uh you know $99 a month membership it includes you know three uh, includes a free yearly skin exam maybe three facials and 20 units of botox is there anything that like is one membership ver- uh, versus the other is superior or inferior in any different way from from your experience i mean there's certainly the I would definitely have my preference be towards the latter version versus just the pure beauty bank version, again, because of all the things that we talked about in relationship to points and all of those kinds of things. But to be honest, I've seen locations be wildly successful with both models. And the main difference is that they're way more successful than locations that don't have memberships at all. So any membership is better than none, for sure. Yeah, and then depending on your own proclivities, like then that's where you start taking into considerations of like, well, do we do we do points rather than dollars? Well, do you want to have to deal with more refund requests and all of the you know laws around gift cards and dollar equivalencies? Well, that might be why you make a difference towards you know deciding to go more towards in the points direction. Or if you don't really care, then you know maybe a beauty bank actually is just the simplest, easiest way for for you to do it you know it's a matter of personal preference right the nice thing about a beauty bank even though i talked about all of the the downsides of having a non-points based system is that like it's super easy to track there's no like conversion from dollars to points or anything like that it's just you know essentially like they have their own debit card with you right so the logistical overhead of tracking is much, much lower than on a, a more complex or nuanced membership like services and points and stuff like that. Absolutely. Um, what about, uh, in your experience, the amount of commitment time? Because I noticed, you know, some members, memberships are, you know, especially the ones that are not the beauty bank. Um, they're like, you, you know, uh, you know, you can get, you know, three hydrofacials, one Botox, you know, for $99 a month with a minimum commitment of six months or a year. Is there any experience that you may have uh, encountered with regards to how to set the minimum commitment time? And does that help? Does it not help? Yeah, I'm a fan of the annual commitment, whether it's a, a one lump sum annual payment or whether it's monthly payments. And I think more than anything, um, again, like so many other things, is just the psychology behind it. The idea that it is an annual commitment means in the mind of, of the customer and of yourself that it's not like, okay, well, I can just do it for a month and then cancel or do it for a couple of months and then cancel, right? We've, we've now entered the psychology of a longer term relationship with each other. And I think that's more what matters. Another thing I will say, though, is that most patients or clients are going to be looking for auto renewal, too. 
Because if they like the membership and they're enjoying it, they don't want it to suddenly stop at the end of the year and then have to like deal with re-signing up or wondering why they didn't accrue more points or benefits for the membership for the last few months because they didn't realize that it had canceled. So um, all of our language in our agreements is the, you know that it is a 12-month commitment with, you know, certain wiggle room and leeway if things happen in life, like if they move or, you know, their spouse dies or something like that, we're probably not going to hold them to it. But we do ask for that year commitment. And then at the end of that year, it automatically rolls over into another 12-year commitment unless they cancel. And that's what our members actually like the best. And then do you do any kind of deal where it's like, yeah, for example, if they pay all the money now for 12 months, they get a discount? You know, we don't necessarily like getting into too big of a discount territory. So generally speaking, we like to incentivize with something that has um, greater value, but not necessarily as much of a cost to us. So we'll generally do things like either free product that we have good margin on or maybe a free service like we have good margin on. So like, you know, if you pay in one lump sum pay in full for the year up front, we're gonna throw in this small basket of skincare regime or, um, you know, a free diamond glow facial or something like that because we know that the, you know, 50, $75 or whatever that it costs us to fulfill that diamond glow is ultimately going to be a much smaller number than, you know, a much bigger discount on other services that they would be consuming for the rest of the year. That's a really great point of, of view. Um, cause I, I do think it's encouraging to, it's wise to encourage people to get the longer membership, but you're exactly right. If you discount 10, 20%, that could really, you know, hurt your margin significantly. As an industry in general, we get a little discount happy, especially when we get, um, uncomfortable in really owning the value that we're providing and positioning ourselves as top tier value providers. And I think that I just like the the positioning and the feel of, you know, adding in more value on the front end with a low margin, or I'm sorry, with a high margin, low cost add-on rather than just saying like, okay, well, for the rest of our relationship together, we're just going to serve you for pennies on the dollar. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a really great point. And uh, I think it's so easy for people to get into the discount thing, but you're exactly right. If if you don't value your own services, then how can anyone else? Ben, it's been such a pleasure having you. I really appreciate all your insight. I think, you know, your wisdom of knowledge. And um, if there's one, if there's a few takeaways, I guess, from today, I would think for sure, no matter what, get your membership started, no, you know, no matter what, even if it's just banking. Uh, and then two, um, you know, try to see if you try to, you know, test different membership models, maybe even different types of memberships for people. Is there anything else that you'd want to add? Yeah, I mean, those honestly are probably the two main things that I would love for people to take away. Uh, if they <laughs> stuck with us for this whole hour is like, you got to have some kind of a membership. It doesn't quite matter so much what's in it because there's so many different kind of ways to have a med spa and so many different combinations of services. Um, so just make sure it's something that fits your branding, your avatar, your image, and um, then 
you know, start iterating and testing. And then the the third thing would actually be like, you got to do the scripting and you and your team have got to practice. Otherwise, it's going to be very difficult to be as successful as you otherwise could be. That's a very great point. Ben, ben thank you so much for, for being here. On, um, really appreciate it. And as always, we learn so much every time we talk to you. Hey, my pleasure. I look forward to doing this again sometime, Adam. Thank you for listening. As medical entrepreneurs, we have a saying, one vision, one purpose, freedom through prosperity. If you're ready to follow your destiny and break free of the mainstream medical system, join us at freedomthroughprosperity.com. See you next week.